0: This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The new studio is now open in Hamilton, and if you're interested in getting any tattoo work done or discussing any designs, please contact the chief artist, Brian Bell. You can find Hold True Tattoo Studios on Instagram and on Facebook, so if you're at all interested, please check them out. Right, okay, so uh, hello everybody, we've had a couple of weeks off from the podcast and uh, we're back with a real cracker, so I have uh, guru Billy Brown with me today and you know I was so chuffed when you said that you had been waiting on the invite, you, you wanted to come on the show because you're one of the characters yeah. in, in martial arts who who's definitely been on the list. So I'm so happy that we've got the time now to actually sit down and do this. So first of all, welcome and thank you.
1: Thank you, sir. Very honoured to be
0: here. uh, This is going to be an interesting and enjoyable chat. I'm absolutely certain of that. Uh, Right. Do you know what I've been doing over the last couple of episodes is throwing in a little curveball at the beginning and just to start opening up the conversation to get the conversation flowing. And I was on your social media the other day. And I was really interested in your opinion on on the Floyd Mayweather-Paul fight. Now, I know that this isn't exactly martial arts. I know that this isn't exactly martial arts. Yeah. But uh, the reason why I want to chat to you about this to start is that I think my opinion is changing. So... Let's have a wee let, let's hear your opinion first of all, and then we can have a wee chat about that before we, we kick on to the martial arts stuff, if you don't okay. mind. No, Of course. Uh, this is the thing I am a huge student of boxing, not yeah. just
1: training, but researching, uh, teaching, and I have been since early years, since the 80s and, and 90s. I was at in 1992, 93, I was already a black belt in Taekwondo. I was, yeah, first, first or second degree already, and I started just getting every VHS tape on boxing fights, yep. ranging from old, old school to to uh, you know Mike Tyson, obviously, you know. To, and I was just I would just study those those fights constantly. Yep. And uh and so with that said, I don't know if what's going on today in the sport of boxing is good for the sport of boxing. Yeah. That's my biggest concern.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I love when people succeed. I love when people make money, but I don't know if you're hurting the sport. The sport's already hurting. MMA hurt boxing. Uh, not that it's a bad thing, but it, it did. I mean, you know, it took people's eyes off of boxing, and I prefer boxing over MMA, which is strange. I did
0: I yeah. too. Yeah.
1: So I just don't know what the end game is here. I don't know what May like. First off, Mayweather's so rich. I mean, why? That why would you risk getting that? Why would you risk some no, no name in, a, in, the, in the world of boxing tarnishing your, 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 your name like that, you know? Yeah. So it was a very risky move for him. Obviously, we all knew that he was probably going to win, but at the same time, you never bet on the fight game because yeah. anybody can get caught. Yeah. Anybody can get caught, you know? So then that makes me wonder, is it fixed somehow? Do they know exactly what's going to happen, exactly how it's going to go? Yeah. And it's, you know, so, yeah, I, I just, I, people go do what they're going to do and fans are going to pay for it. And I just don't know why. I, I think that's what, what what troubles me the most. I don't know the reason or
0: yeah. the end game here, you know? Okay. Yeah. Uh, allow me to, to talk you through what my thought process has been. Uh-huh. So, when, when this first kicked off, I was up in arms and this was going to, everything you've just said, this was going to hurt boxing and combat sports and et cetera, et cetera. But what I've been thinking about is, is this over the last couple of weeks actually, uh, it's an exhibition match. So it's not actually proper boxing. Uh, as in, it's definitely not competitive boxing. And it's pay-per-view. So if you don't want to watch it, don't pay for it. And go watch it. Another thing as well, and I, I, I want your opinion on this one. The the, the Paul brothers, and, and I I hear especially the... So Jake, and again, this is how... This is how bad this is. I, I don't actually know. I can't tell between them. I think Logan Paul was the one that just fought Mayweather. I think, and his little brother is Jake, who apparently is the better boxer. So what's oh, okay. the? I I hear. So what's the difference between those guys and someone like? Uh, like the young uh, brother of Tyson Fury, who didn't have any amateur fights and has fought 10 times in professional boxing. So is there a difference between a boxer like that and a boxer like one of the Paul brothers? And maybe I'm just being a wee bit mischievous. No, no, I understand what you're saying. And that's
1: another issue I have with it, that complete no-names can all of a sudden be called professional boxers and not only be called a professional boxer because back in the day it was hard to get a professional card i've trained with and i train professional fighters so i I understood the process now it seems like it's very easy to get a professional card it seems like you know what i mean especially if you got a little money so so it, it really is so it's almost like you didn't earn a fight with mayweather he didn't earn that yeah okay and i'm not a mayweather fan I don't consider him even in the top five. I really don't. Okay. okay. But I do consider him a legend in his own right. Yep. And he, the, these guys don't earn the fight. Mayweather, let's be real. He didn't earn it in the sport of boxing, but he did earn it in the combative arena. He yep. did, you know, but not, not the Paul brothers, you know? So it was just, it's just very strange. that's going on, but it's not the first time. Muhammad Ali did it with a professional rat wrestler once. Um, it goes way back. It's not the first time this has happened, yeah. you know, um, but I'm just, i just, I don't know why it's happening. That's what keeps me kind of wondering, like, what is boxing turning into WWE? Is boxing turning into, uh, you, you know, is it going to be more of this? Is it good for the sport of boxing? I don't know. Is this going to get people to, Mayweather isn't fighting every six months anymore. He's supposed to be retired. So it, it isn't like people are going to be anxious to see his next fight. Yep. So who's his next fight will be
0: with a ballerina. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Right. You know, it's, it's, I'm really interested in the fact that you said that you preferred boxing to MMA as well, because I, I'm the same. Uh, and I wonder why that is because martial arts, I would, I have an interest in would watch any martial arts at all. So you and I are speaking here as, as martial arts brothers. Right. Why do we prefer boxing? Do you know, it's, some- I, I
1: think I, I think I may have the answer to that. And it's from my own experience, so maybe I'm biased. But it seems like in today's time, you learn a little mediocre boxing. You learn a little mediocre kicking. You learn a little mediocre grappling. And all of a sudden, you're an MMA fighter.
0: Okay.
1: But boxing, you got to work your ass off. Yeah. You got to earn those, most times, you got to earn those stripes, so to speak. Yeah, yep. you have to work your way up that slow ladder it yeah. used to be slow you know it's you know so so I, I think that boxing not that MMA doesn't of course you have to be dedicated and disciplined and driven you have to but boxing from what I've seen with the two it's the people that are really trying to make it in the boxing room just are driven and dedicated a little more than just a lot of the new upcoming MMA guys. Like right. I got guys call me all the time. Uh, I want you to train me and I want to fight in two months. You're not I'm training. You you're, you're going to train with me for a minimum one year, probably 3 years before I ever seek to get you in fights. Yeah. In a, in the in the ring or cage. Yeah. You know. I hear so you. So people don't want to we come I, you've been training what since you was 5 years old, correct?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yep. so you started in the 80s like I did. Yep. Um so we used to take one thing, a sidekick. That's all we did in class, up and down the floor, sidekick, 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 sidekick. three hours of it where yeah. you can't walk the next day. That's dedication to it. Now they, they want stuff. People
0: want stuff quick today, and that irritates me because nothing worth having comes quickly. Yeah. I, I think you've made a brilliant point there, and – this is something that I've actually said to my own students very, well, re- very recently, but but a number of times. Part of that is our fault as instructors because we, we give in a little to modern society. When, when, when I started, it would be, okay, let's call it four techniques. One night, down block, rising block, middle block, punch for 60 minutes. That's it. It could be up and down the hole, up and down the hole. Uh I wonder how many students we would have nowadays if we We wouldn't.
1: <laughs> and no. back then, if you really think back there, like I remember I remember my stepdad telling me that I have to go pay your dues at, 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 at class that. And I'm like, oh, okay. He goes, 20 bucks is a month. That's what we were paying back then, you know, 20 bucks a month. You know, I I don't get out of bed for $20 anymore. You know what I mean? I couldn't imagine it. And people either quit or they stayed. That's it. You know, Uh, but the, but the, the discipline of the training, that's why I admire Heel Cho so much. He is above it all, above the great magazine covers and the great kicking and the great breaking. The discipline he has showed over the last 50 years Yeah, is what astounds me the most about him. And when I when I hung out with him in Hawaii uh, in 2019, he had just got finished finished working out. He was sweaty. Yeah, yeah. At 80 80 years old. Yeah, 79. I think he was at the time. But but you know, and he was in a dojang by himself. He didn't have, you know, he didn't have a bunch of people cleaning for him. He's doing it all. He did it all. That discipline, man, is just unheard of in today's. Most martial art, MMA, especially, I think it's the discipline, not the. And I know I may get slack on that if I don't, if I don't clarify, not the discipline to train. I, I they, there's these young guys coming up are, are in great shape. They work hard, but it's the discipline to actually learn and be MMA, mixed martial artists. Yeah.
0: Because,
1: like I said today, you just throw a bunch of stuff together and you call yourself a mixed martial artist. Yeah. It's not no more learning the actual art and then learning how to bleed them together or blend them
0: together. It's none of that anymore, you know. There's a there's a discipline to life actually that you hear it. I, I I've experienced this. I've ex- and, and the internet's terrible for it. You will have young guys will maybe look at uh, videos on YouTube of of old masters or old grandmasters like Grandmaster Cho, for example, and the derogatory way that these young guys talk about these people that have dedicated 50 and 60 years of their life, just because they've maybe had one or two amateur multi-fights or amateur MMA fights and this guy wouldn't last and blah, blah, blah. But it's even over and above all of that crap, it's the dedication to to life. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. And I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before, I want to to talk about you visiting Hawaii actually as well Uh, because I think you've had quite an interesting last couple of years and that plays a part in it but a couple of trips ago we arrived in Hawaii and 10 o'clock in the morning I phoned Grandmaster at the school and hi sir that's us arrived we'll we'll be at class tonight this is 10 o'clock in the morning and he was already in the school so We spent the day in Waikiki, and then off we went to class. And class maybe finished about half past eight that night. So, as you know, Grandmaster School's up the stairs. And we went out to get in the car, and I realised that I'd forgotten something. So I said to my wife, give me two minutes, and away I went running up the stairs to get, I can't even remember what I'd forgotten. Where was Grandmaster Cho? He was back in the dojang, stretching out. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's a true story. Uh, now, when I phoned him 11 hours earlier, he was in the dojang. And then, now, the key to that story is that he didn't know I was going to double back. Yes. He could have went into his office and thrown his legs up in the desk. Yep. And <laughs> he thought he was alone. But when I went back to collect whatever I had forgotten, he was on the floor stretching out and training again. Uh, so. It's the example that we all should
1: follow. And yeah. they don't have many of that anymore. They really don't. They're dying off. I mean, they don't have many of those anymore. We have to become those now. Those And it's hard. I mean, I mean, it's hard. I mean, we live in a different time. We live in a different uh uh situations but you still have to maintain that uh i i I like to call it driven discipline i mean you have to maintain it because it's it's very rare today it's very rare today yeah
0: okay so i know that over the last couple of years there's been a lot of exciting stuff happen for you there's been a i think we were all knocked back by covid but i know you had just moved to open up a new, a new dojo or dojang and then COVID hit. And and I know you visited Grandmaster Cho in Hawaii as part of your, I believe that was your honeymoon, was it? Honeymoon. Honeymoon. Right, so go back, to, uh, go back to two years ago in Billy Brown's life and you've just got married and you're flying to Hawaii and then we'll pick up yeah. the story from there, what, what's been happening over the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Well, um, it's funny,
1: the plan had been moving to Florida for a, a long time. So let me let me let me go to that first. Okay. So the plan was that, to have the uh, honeymoon and then open up a school in Florida. And uh, uh so uh, obviously, we didn't know COVID was going to try to derail all of that. You yep. know, I mean, I was we were excited. We were we were on point, you know, so the, the the Hawaii trip happened. What was spectacular? I mean, it's Hawaii, and mm-hmm. uh, and and I got to see uh, one of my all time you know uh, inspirations. You know, so that was a great trip. Um, got to go to Pearl Harbor, and you know what? What a lot of people don't know, I haven't wrote much about it or talked much about it. My fa- my grandfather's first job as a Marine was to retrieve bodies out of Pearl Harbor. Well. Yep. So so, and then he went on to take the entire Pacific in the with the uh famed Second Weapons Division, uh, Marine Corps. They're they're famed. I mean, they after that they actually do not use the Second Weapons. They they honored those guys with it. Okay, he, he, all of the all of the main ones: Guadalcanal, uh, Tinian, uh, 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 all of the main Pacific islands. He was the first boots on the island. Um. So that was emotional for me. I mean, to the point where it's, it's real funny. <laughs> Should I tell this story? I jumped the fence where the water was, where, the, where it happened. Mm-hmm. And I just sat at the, there's a picture. I sat at the shore of the banks and just sat there and just meditated.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> 10 minutes, the wife's behind the fence. National Guard shows up. Yeah. Lights flashing. <laughs> And tell me on the intercom, please get back behind the fence, sir, and I'll tell him. And thank you, you know. But it was it was one of the most uh, spiritual moments I think that I've had in a very long time. It was very touching. I mean, very very touching. Yeah. And uh, and then right after that, I go see Grandmaster Cho, which was also, you know, uh, I already been crying. I go in there, tears in my eyes. He puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes why so emotional yeah. <laughs> or no, no, what do you say? Don't be so emotional. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's laughing because I'm crying like a baby. Right. So, um, so that happened. And then right after that, we had to get on a plane and flew for 15 hours. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, fast forward in a little bit, uh, we got back, uh, and then we moved to Florida and, uh, we, you know, we had a school, I, we, I was basically uh, 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 purchasing a school from, an, from another instructor who yeah. already had established students. Yeah. It was supposed to be, boom, COVID hit. They kicked him out of the building. They, it, it, so everything just fell apart there mm-hmm. immediately. We're in Florida. Keep your hopes up. We're here. I have a huge fan base here. I, I did seminars here every year, two, three, four seminars a year this was like a second home already for us. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, so, but, but COVID hit and I didn't teach for a year. We didn't work for a year. And if it wasn't for my video company, we would have been homeless. Yeah. I mean, thank God that the video company. Uh, it, yeah. If it wasn't for that and my wife's hard, hard work, I mean, she, you got to understand I, as you know, what it's six o'clock where you're at, probably um, yeah, yeah. people buy videos from around the world. So if she gets a message from Japan, yeah. It, 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 it's morning time there, but it's for us. We're in bed. She'll wake up to sell a video, yeah. you know, and it was constant like that. And it still is not as much now that we're working again, because now she's like, I'll wait till the morning to message yeah. them back, you know, but back then she was on it. So I, I got to give her uh, say hello wife. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so I got to give her credit because she, you know, I would be sleeping sound, and she'd be up doing business deals. Yep. to make sure that we had food on the table the next day. So it was hustle for a year. It was hustle and bustle. It's always hustle in this business, you know, but it was more so there when you're not able to do what you do, which is teach. That's what, if we, if we just love martial arts, we'd be lawyers and do martial arts as a hobby. Yeah. Does that make sense? We'd be make, or we'd be doctors and do martial arts as a hobby. We love the people. That's what people don't understand. We love the people. We love the energy they give us. We love being able to share something and hopefully something that, that, that changes their life in some way. That's what we love, you know? So for that year, it was probably one of the hardest years for me
0: emotionally more than anything, probably. That's, that's one, that's one thing that I don't know if people understand it or not. I think some people do, they don't understand the the emotional connection that you have with the people. Uh, There'll be a lot of parents and things that might, they sort of drop their kid off to your class and yeah. they just see it as an activity but we, we have a thing one uh, of grandmaster chose senior students who's the European director Grandmaster John Darcy oh yeah mr. Darcy uh-huh. yeah one of the one of the most important lessons he ever gave me and, and my god he's given me thousands was that we shouldn't run a martial arts club we should run a martial arts school. The terminology over here in the UK is that most people will describe it as a club, but a club is something that you just maybe drop the kids off at, whereas a school, I definitely think I run a school. It's about uh, nurturing people, educating people, obviously teaching them martial arts and self-defense, but you get so passionate about the people and to not have that for a whole year has been really, really difficult.
1: Yeah, it was hard. It was hard. And yeah. now re- recovering from it obviously it's hard too, because people are still now every place is different. We've been very lucky here in Florida. We're a little more lax on it all, yeah. you know, in uh in 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 but at the same time while trying to stay safe and stay, but but we've been lucky, a lot of a lot of sunshine, a lot of ocean here. Yeah, you know, so. People are just more outside all day in the sun. People are just more happy and not as afraid of things. Yeah. So we were lucky about that. But at the same time, yeah, it's still got that the classes or you're not signing up five students a day or a week like you used to five, 10 a week. like You're not doing that. That probably is not going to happen again for a while. You know, it really it's probably not. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're lucky if we sign two students a month, three students a month. It used to be five a week, you know, yeah. so. Uh, you know, thank, we're getting back to it though. We, we're, we're all getting back to, to uh, you know, we survived something. There's gonna be somethings more later. Yep. Our kids and grandkids are gonna survive stuff too. Yep. You know, so so this isn't nothing new to human, human beings. Yep. Is, it's not new, it's new because of the media. It's new because of the uh, uh, the elements like that. But as far as getting over and overcoming, this is, a, you know, this is what we do. We're human beings. We're going to overcome it. That's just it. What What have you learned about yourself this year? Patience. Okay. Patience. Yeah. I used to, my grand, I've always had issues with patience. I right. was always one just to act on it. Make it happen yeah. now. Yeah. 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 You know, make it happen now. Yeah. And uh, my grandmother used to always pray that I would, she used to tell me, I'm, I'm praying for your patience, but she would say, you don't do it though. You don't pray for your own patience. I'm like, why? She goes, because you don't want to see what's going to come from that. <laughs> Let me pray. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes you pray for stuff you don't really, you know, but um, patience, just knowing that we're in the where where we want to be, where we need to be, not where we want to be, where we need to be and knowing that we're going to get through uh, the rain, and the sunshine will be the sunshine's always after
0: a good rain, you know. It's, so, uh, I think one of the things I've took from this year, and again, it's very really that it's very really I can have a conversation about martial arts and not speak about Grandmaster Cho. It just wow. comes to my mind all the time yeah, when yeah. martial arts and has his lesson for Everett. The first time I met Grandmaster Toll was at a seminar in Glasgow and this would have been 1992. 1992. So I would have been like a kid, a a young kid. Uh, And since then, all the way up to when I seen him in 2019, the same as you, it's about flexibility in body and flexibility in mind. And only this year have I finally realised that I might, might, I'm not there yet, but I might be catching on to that, that these things come into your life and you just have to roll with the punches sometimes. And as you say, there'll always be better times coming once you get through it. Uh, But I was very much like, it has to be like this and it has to be like that. And you couldn't do that this year because everything was so up in the air. So that flexibility... I mean, the, the difference with this, with 2020, was that
1: we were, we didn't have a choice. Well, yep. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. We, the world just kind of, your free will kind of stopped for that. Year. Yeah. And we've never experienced that before. I mean, not in our lifestyle. I know our, our, our you know, our, I know our grandparents and stuff went through way worse than yeah. that. You know, I mean, our great grandparents, I mean, good Lord, you know, they would be way worse, but in our lifetime, we haven't, that was the first time we had experienced something like that.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: So that was the difference. Yeah. I
0: hope, I hope, I hope that I'm going to come out of this as a better person. And I think that's my hope for most of us that we come out, maybe a little bit more appreciative, a little bit more patient. Uh, Do you know what? A little bit more flexible in mind and it's, there's, there's definitely lessons that to, to be learned. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say that. Uh,
1: my instructor, Grandmaster Brad Whitlow, he spits a tie with Grandmaster Park Tay. Are you familiar with yeah, Grandmaster yeah, Park? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of my lineage. And uh, Grandmaster Park, right before he died, gave him a huge piece of bamboo. Okay. He just cut pieces of it. And Grandmaster Park 2 would walk on that bamboo every day, and uh, my instructor started using the term jukam jukam is bamboo and rock. You got to be flexible like bamboo and strong as a rock, you got to be able to, to bend but at the same time never break. So, yeah. I think that philosophy is a great life philosophy. Yeah, you know, I mean, you have to be able to bend but not break. Yeah, yeah.
0: so funny you mentioned that because. Uh, on the very last episode of the podcast, we had Stephen Gale, who is the who's a sixth degree in GTF Taekwondo based yeah. in Scotland, and a couple of years ago, and they, they still run it, they just opened the Jukam Taekwondo Centre, so they, they, they called that all after what they had learned from uh, Grandmaster Park, so this martial arts world's really small, sick, it's a lot smaller than what you think. Uh, Right, let's get a wee bit more in detail about you and your system. Do you know what's really interesting to me? Your system seems to have so many different influences. And I've been watching a ton of your videos on your YouTube channel and stuff. Uh, And it's a wonderful system, but there's so many different bits. So, can you describe to us? What's sure. actually made this, yeah, sure. this I meet up that's i mean sure i started training in around 84
1: for my father so it was like a uh it, it to me i thought every kid did this it wasn't yeah. like i you know and I, I was shocked when I would go to school and other kids didn't kick a tree with his dad this more uh, for an hour before school like i did you know yeah. so um i started uh with him he did a he did a Blend of things. He did a little hand trapping from Wing Chun, not very polished, but but effective, you know. And he did a uh, Goju Karate. Okay. So that was so he loved the front kick. He wore boots. He used to always say, "Boy, never train kicking without your boots on." Yeah. Because that's what you're going to use on the street. That boot. He used to tell me. Yeah. So he would have me kicking cardboard and kicking trees at a very young age. You know, he delved in weaponry again, not polished like we are today, but 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 good and good enough. Yep. He was in a lot of fights. He was known as a as a uh, self sufficient man. You yep. know, very kind man. Very, but but at the same time, you know. So when he passed away, I was a el- I was eleven years old, and I went through a huge depression. Yep. And my mom knew that my connection with him was the martial arts so I didn't want to go to school I didn't want to get out of bed even you know and uh one day a phone book flies across the air it hits me in bed and she goes "Find a martial arts school I'm taking you to it tomorrow Wow! I opened it up and I don't know what I'm looking for out of 11 the only martial arts I had had was what my dad had given me I, I saw an ad of a man that said six degree black belt type one down I'm like, well, six three. That's got to be good, <laughs> you know. So, so the next day she bought me there, and I was hooked. And uh, good for me, good for the time period too, because in the '80s I started taekwondo probably in 1990. So, so you got you got the '80s and '90s. It was still real taekwondo. Now taekwondo has been so watered down. You know what I mean? Yep. You know I mean, that's why people like Grandmaster Cho and. People that I come from who are still teaching true Taekwondo, I love it because I think that it's a valid art. I think that it can help you in multiple ways, not just physical. Yep. I think it's one of those arts that help you in on a different realm if you allow it to. Yeah. So I still, I, I will never, like, my G, I, I have a name in Jikuno. I have a name in the Filipino martial arts. But when all these people, I still push to Taekwondo because it, it it does something in here that a lot of other arts do not do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so I, I went there and I was hooked. My mom would drop me off every day after school at, f- let's say, four o'clock at five o'clock. I'd have the kids class and then I would just watch the adults. She would pick me up at nine, ten o'clock at night. That was just my life yeah. until the owner of the school, Grandmaster Bob Harding, uh, he said, I want you in adult class. He put me in adult class at 12 years old. You know, cause he saw me there every night anyway, you know? Yep. So, um, so from there, I, I excelled. I was very athletic. I, uh, was very fast. I've always been very fast. I still have speed. Um, a, a lot of, a lot of speed, but I was just excelling. I, I could do the things the adults could do and outperform them, uh, you know, and, and, you know, even at 13 years old, I got my first degree black belt at 12 or 13. Yep. Um, so Fast forward high school, I'm, I'm 15 years old, and I get in a fight on the soccer field Okay. And with an 18-year-old kid who should have been out of – he should have been – I think he was – failed like twice. I mean, he should have – dude had a beard and you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I sidekicked him and rolled him, and I thought for sure he should have fallen. and he couldn't breathe, and I'm like, I'm going to do it again. I sidekicked him, he grabbed my leg, and he flipped me. And he got behind me and just started hitting the back of my head until it was broke up. He didn't hurt me, hurt me, but he hurt my ego. I'm like, why did this happen? How I'm kicking basketball goals and I'm, I'm hitting people in sparring before they blink before they can even respond. And yet I just got beat up on the playground. So that broke my spirit a lot Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the art that failed me. It was me that failed the art. I didn't understand how to apply it. You know that. So, a week goes by, I'm back in a depression. I'm like, what am I doing? Why did I, you know, I'm embarrassed. And I remember walking into the same Taekwondo Dojang. But this time I look in the window, there's a little old man that I've never seen before, choking people with sticks, elbowing them in the face, headbutting them, sweeping them, throwing them, hitting them in the growing. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. So I walked up to him and I said, you know, that's I'm your I'm your new private student. And I have to say, uh, his name is Guru Ron Goen. I have to say that he was so he saw potential in me. He gave me. He would come to my house and give me private classes. Never asked for money.
0: Wow. I mean, people
1: don't do that anymore.
0: You no. You know no. And, uh, no.
1: he was a man. He he taught combatives to the uh, uh, multiple military forces. I mean, he was the real deal. Still is the real deal. That's and true. uh, so that started my branches into the cross training and other systems yeah you know
0: Yep. Yeah. so if okay so yeah that yeah. The, I've, I've written this down here and you can correct me if i'm wrong so your martial arts school uh or the system that you teach and you teach seminars on is progressive martial arts training systems is that that's correct 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 okay. Oh. I have
1: two, I have two uh, departments, so to speak. Right. Okay. I, I have progressive martial art training systems, which is the art. You're going to learn the different art forms. You're going to learn the, uh, you're going to dedicate yourself to it. You're going, that's, that's the art of, of the, of the system. And then I have adaptive combatives, which okay. is strictly the dirty nitty gritty of it all. Yeah. And it's two, it's two different kinds of companies, so to speak.
0: Yeah. I think one of the areas where I'm so impressed by you is just how you've mixed them. That's what always catches my eye when when I watch stuff. Uh, as I say, I've watched a lot of your YouTube footage this, this week especially. And if I were to say to you, and I know this is a difficult question, but what arts have you brought together into your individual system what what would be on that list well
1: I fell in love with the jikuno because jikuno was physical like the taekwondo was
0: yeah
1: so I I kind of attached it quickly and in jikuno we have very few good kickers very few and it's so funny because Bruce Lee was a pretty good kicker for the time period especially not for not being a taekwondo guy he was a great kicker yeah but now people are like, "Oh, don't train those high kicks; only kick the knee." And I'm like, "No, you don't get the you you lost the point of it all." You know, I do push-ups, although I never use the push-up in a fight. Yeah. It's all part of the thing to pop to sharpen the blade. It's all if you can kick good high, you can kick better low. Okay, so the the jikudo uh, I, I gravitated to it pretty quickly, and then I blended into taekwondo kicking. Yep. And it, it became, I, I became, in, in my opinion, Jikuno guys, a lot of them love to talk to talk, but they don't put on, they don't put out training videos of themselves doing it. Yeah. They just like to say, what's, who's doing it wrong? Who's doing it right? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, there's some of that in Taekwondo too, but not as much as Jikuno for sure. Yeah. Okay. So then, then the weapons came along the Filipino martial arts and I fell in love with the Filipino martial arts. And it's funny. I'm kind of known as the Filipino martial arts guy now, even though I would like to think I'm pretty good at, at it all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the Filipino martial arts was great for me because it enhanced motion. It enhanced beautiful motion. It's a beautiful art. It's a daily art, but it can be very beautiful.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, learning the weaponry, I think is so important. Because not only to, because I, I truly believe from a guy who's had to face weapons in real life, I yeah. truly believe that you can never learn to defend against something until you learn how to use that something. Okay. I'm a real big believer in that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so the Filipino martial arts is another one. So the Jikano and the Filipino martial arts, I, I was the first ones that I really gravitated to. Mm-hmm. Then the Muay Thai came along. Yep. Yeah. Muay Thai for a long school Taekwondo guy is a piece of cake, piece of cake. Not only that, you'll make a different monster. If you're a good Taekwondo guy who starts Muay Thai later, if your Muay Thai is look way different than other people's, and in most times be a lot more effective. Like the Thais, they don't know understand how to defend against spins because they don't throw spins. Yeah, yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. So. Yep when you learn to blend in that taekwondo discipline not no muay thai is extremely disciplined like taekwondo but but when you learn to blend in the different uh, y- y- you know the beautiful thing about training different arts is that each art brings out a different attribute attitude energy in yeah. you so you learn to blend all of these attitudes and all of these attributes and all of these energies of course, that's going to make you better. It has to.
0: Yeah,
1: it has to. Yeah.
0: Okay. There's a couple of questions are, are coming to me about things that you've just said. The first thing is this thing about people being critical, and I know you said it doesn't happen a lot in Taekwondo. I would I would push back against that because, or maybe. Okay. Become,
1: does happen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it happens uh, more than it should. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, the good thing about the thing about Taekwondo is that there's so many good or there has been so many good masters over the years. Yeah. What you have now is a little different than Jikuno. There was one young man who died in yeah. Jikuno. So now everybody's bickering about would it not. They're bickering about what it was instead of what it could be or what he would have wanted it to be. So that's where it gets tight. You know, I had one guy, he's a, uh, he's a well-known YouTube JKD guy in his own right. Okay. (laughs) He has a following. He has his own Academy and I don't dislike him, but he sent me a message one day and he goes, he watched one of my Muay Thai and hybrid striking Taekwondo blend videos. He goes, I thought you was a real jikono man. Real jikono men don't kick above the knee. And I'm just—that's the kind of stupidity you find in the jikono world. The the stupidity in the
0: taekwondo world is definitely a little different. You know what I mean? But it's still there. <laughs> Surely people should look at someone like you, and it blows my mind that people don't understand that you can benefit from all of it. Yeah. Why, why would why would you rule out something? Why would you say, now let's say you were the best Jeet Kune Do guy that there's ever been. Yeah. Why would you not at least know some high kicks? What, there's no way that that is detrimental to your study of martial arts.
1: Lay it
0: off. I mean... When, I, when in reality in a real fight, you... I made a remark a couple years
1: ago, and at first I had some uh, some kind of interference. People would mess with me like, I don't agree with that. But then it's funny, years later, people are like, dude, you're totally right. And I made this remark on, I think it was another podcast or something. Uh, I said, in a real life and death situation, you're only going to use 3 to 5% of what you train in a dojo every week. Yeah. Or a dojo thing every week. That's it. That's, uh, That's it. Yeah. And I got it to a point where it was like 3%. I mean it was like yeah. elbow you and go home that was it you know everything else is for a couple of reasons the art i think art is beautiful i've seen so much violence been a part of so much violence as i get older i don't even watch like mma fights anymore Yeah, i mean i it's, i don't want to see it really you know um so beauty's in the beauty of the art is good and i also think for for your Spiritual, mental, physical growth on a personal level. I yeah. think that's why um, you do what we do. You know, fighting should be separated from that. If I hit you with a brick, that's no art. That's me winning. And I go home. Yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm trying to say. You should separate the two. Yeah. Train for your. Train for yourself. Train to make yourself better. And if you're an instructor train to make yourself better so that you can hopefully give the students
0: what they need. Yep. You know, separate the fighting part. Yep. How much of your training and teaching, and this is the teaching parts are really important point because, well, let me ask the question. First of all, how much of your training is influenced by your real life combat situations? Like when you were working on the doors, for example, And then the second part of that is surely that must influence the way you teach people.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: You have to pass that on for sure.
1: Well, what happened was I opened up my first school in the end of 98 and it was in, it was right outside of new Orleans, Louisiana is where I got my, my, when I opened up my first school. Um, I wasn't a business owner. I was a good martial artist. And you know, that in this business that has very little, if you can be successful to do with it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I thought because I was so good that the students would just be knocking down the door to sign up. Right. Yeah. Well, that wasn't the case. So I needed to have supplement income and I'm like, well, I can fight. So I started working in new Orleans
0: yep.
1: as a, as a 18 year old kid. Um, and right away, it was shell shock to my system. I saw people get stabbed the first night. I saw a, sh- a wife shoot her husband with a shotgun. It, it was just, it, 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 it wasn't martial arts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a wide, quick, huge awakening for me. It really was, you know. So, and for some reason I did it for 20 more years. I have no clue. I have no clue why, but over that 20 years, it, uh, it was, I learned a lot about the human nature. I, I learned a lot about, uh, pain. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I got hurt. A, I got hurt a few times. One of them nearly ended my career.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but I also learned how to win a lot.
0: Yeah. So
1: that drive, uh, or that, that knowledge, I should say, I, I think that it's very few instructors have that kind of uh, 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 experience and even fewer understand how to effectively apply it to their teaching for everyday men, women, and children who do not go work doors every day of the week for 20 years. You have to learn how to blend that. You can't just teach like, okay, I'm gonna thumb his eyes and headbutt his face real quick and elbow him, and I'm gonna go. You can't do that with a kid or with a, you. It's more of what you learn from that, and what you learn from that is how to uh, manage people. Yeah, you learn how to read energy. You learn how to understand uh, that violence isn't prejudice. Yeah. Violence doesn't care how many belts you have, how many trophies you have won. It doesn't care how uh, your what your moral ground is. Violence will always do what violence does. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's what you learn. Yeah.
0: The again to mention uh, to mention Grandmaster Darcy, very quickly. He, as a, a younger black belt, used to do a lot of security work, and many of his his, his students would be uh, on the same job as he would be. And I'll never forget him telling me a story about after they had closed, they had, had a bit of trouble on the door and the guy, they'd sent somebody away who had come back later. Yeah, That
1: happens a lot.
0: Yeah, who came come back later looking for trouble after the place. <clears throat> so after they, they had closed the bar or the pub, they were sitting around having some tea, having a cup of tea before they went home and he had a huge kettle of boiling tea. Oh. So the guy manages to get in, is obviously looking for trouble. And what Master Darcy had done was just lift the kettle of tea like this from the table. That was it. And straight away the guy knew that there was no punches, no head, traction, right. no elbows, nothing, and just defused the situation. What's the point of me telling that story? The point is that that's that's that experience of dealing with violence, as in dealing with proper confrontation. That your spin kicks and jumping somersault kicks and all of this. You're talking about a, a killer of a martial artist here, and all he had to do was stand up and lift the kettle, and that's the it. guy that was it. The guy just turned away and, and off he went into the night. Uh, that's that valuable life experience that. I think maybe only that job can give you.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, people always quote Bruce Lee saying, "Uh, uh, the art of of fighting is the 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 art of uh, what was the quote? The uh, the The art of not fighting." Yeah, that's what he meant by that. He didn't mean that. You know, he meant that. And I got to that point. I I literally got to the point where I could speak to you and make people urinate themselves. (laughs) <laughs> and, 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 and the wife was witness of that. She worked a lot of the, uh, she was the, uh, door girl right, okay. for some of these spots. And she witnessed a lot of that. And it got to the point after I got over the phase where I, cause there was a, there was a, there was a period where I looked forward to the conflict Yeah. and, and that's not good. And there was another period. The reason why I got out of it is because it didn't matter to me anymore. It, it didn't matter if I hurt people anymore. Yeah. I don't, I, I was letting it get, I was letting it get dark. It was growing inside. Mm -hmm. You never let that grow inside. And, uh, and it got to the point where it was extremely easy for me. And that's probably not good either. So, uh, so I got, so at the end there, I started just understanding what you say, body inflection or or body language, voice inflection, eye contact. There are things that will, the art of fighting without fighting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah.
1: I tell you who talks about that better than, than, than any of us. And you had him on your podcast is uh, Jeff Thompson.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh man. He's, he's the grandfather of us all. I mean, as far as the combatives world goes, I mean, he is, uh, you've had some big names like Guru Bob Rain. What a, what a (laughs) great man. I mean, yeah. Great martial
0: artist, great man. Yeah. The, it's been one of the sitting down. And again, do you know what? Do you know what we have in the martial arts? We have not just special martial artists, but we have special people, special souls, because the full experience with Jeff Thompson. Now, this is somebody who I grew up. Oh, with, yeah. Watch my back, for example. This guy was like, oh. wait, forget about it. And then making contact with him to appear on the podcast, (laughs) and this is a major shout out to Jeff Thompson, was like speaking to a best friend. Oh, yeah, he was an absolute gentleman. Uh, but he would he could he could destroy you in two minutes. (laughs) No, no, he's one of the few that learn
1: how to turn the violence into a spiritual, uh, awakening of sorts. When you're really good at the violence, you have the ability. This is two things that could happen when you're really good at the violence. It could turn inward on you and you will just be that. Or if you're really good at the violence, you'll be even better at the love. Yeah. Yep. That's the, that's, that was the biggest thing getting out of that. Like, I, I don't regret my time on the doors and security, private sector, et cetera. But I regret staying in as long as I did. The first decade would have been enough. Yep. You know, and now that last decade was painful. I mean, I got injuries a lot and uh, I hurt a lot of people that I probably maybe shouldn't have in the way that I did. Yep. You know, but I
0: didn't know. I was just defending myself and doing my job, you know? But again, another question comes from that. And that question is, would you be sitting there, the man you are right now? I don't think you would have been. No. no. So no. I understand that you regret that extra time. But again, Jeff Thompson's a brilliant example of going through something, getting out the other end as the person that he is today. You're exactly the same. Billy Brown wouldn't have been the Billy Brown if you hadn't been through that.
1: Very true.
0: Very true. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's the same way every experience. I just think being in that violent environment that you were in yeah. is quite an extraordinary experience. It's not one that many of yeah. many people in the world actually have to have to go through. You
1: know what I tell people now when they ask me and, and from instructors to everyday uh, men and women. No, I don't. I don't wish that kind of experience on anyone so they say well how can i become good at violence if i don't experience it i used to not be able to answer that question um but i think that a person that needs to become a student of violence which means that they study it they study it and they need to listen to people who had who have experienced it research what they say research their experiences and then add it to your own and train it accordingly. Everybody from the MMA community, the sports world to, to, to boxers, I think really need to devote at least a couple days a month to becoming more educated with violence. That's the secret. You don't have to go fight for 20 years, you know, and, and risk getting hurt. and, And, but you need to educate yourself and people think they don't need it. In today's society, it is not just us jackass Americans, it's all over the world. In today's society, ego is a very driven thing for people. They think that they don't need it. No. And you see, that's the thing about experience. You 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 often don't get it till after you wish you already had it.
0: <laughs> Does that make sense? Again, <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes. There's light bulb moments going off in my head at the moment because you're you're making absolute sense. Three weeks ago, a month ago, maybe a couple of weeks back, I was talking to my black belt students about this very thing about, I didn't actually, I didn't package it up as uh, studying violence, but just studying martial arts and combat People don't do enough of it at all now. Uh, I, people laugh at me when I say this, but I know you'll be the same. I know you'll be the same. If I'm not reading about fighting, I'm watching it. And if I'm not watching it, I'm listening to something or I'm teaching it or I'm training it. or it, I, I'm not expecting my own students to be as crazy about it as I am. But... On my TV, which is here in front of me, there's uh, usually boxing or kickboxing or judo or anything at all. Yeah, yeah. Just to immerse yourself in it See? has so many benefits. It's unreal. And, and this is the thing, too. Uh,
1: back to Guru Bob Ream's interview you did with him. He's, he talked about his health issues, the intermittent fasting. I know that you fast for religious uh, uh, reasons. But we study on all this stuff on how to keep our vessels strong. But yet people don't research on how to keep your vessel safe out in the world. Yeah. I, we all wish that it was all love, rainbows, and unicorns out there, but it's not. And it's never going to be. Let's be real. It's not in our lifetime. Not in our
0: lifetime. No. In our lifetime. So,
1: so, yeah, not ever. I mean, it never has been. And history is a good teacher sometimes. It really is. Yeah. Um, so people need to become students of it. And the problem with the martial arts is this. People do the martial arts or train the MMA, they think that that correlates directly to violence. That's the problem. They they get so reliant on what they're already doing that they don't research and see that there's more to it. Yeah. There's never, I tell my students, there's never one time where you're training in class and some stranger's gonna run over and hit you in the back of the head with a brick. It's never gonna happen in my class. Yeah, Yeah. that's real violence. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, um, yeah. Go on. That when try and remind me when we finish up the podcast, I want to give a shout out to all the social media and YouTube links and stuff that you have. Yeah. What's made me think about that is that, and this is to move on to the next part of the conversation. If you go to your website. Down the right-hand side, uh, if I remember right, it's the right-hand side. There's lots of pictures of you with the who's who of mm-hmm. martial arts. Yeah. It's a brilliant collection. It's a lovely collection. Uh, let's talk about influences. So yeah. I know you've mentioned uh, Bob Breen and Jeff Thompson. And I, you don't know how lucky I feel to have had them on the show. But uh, I feel lucky for you. Oh, <laughs> it, was, it was an absolute dream. So, who let's pick five? So, my show, my game, you've only allowed five, right? So, you got to go with your top five influences in martial arts. That's easy, easy. Okay, uh, go. My, my top
1: five influences. Um, I, I have to say, my two instructors, Grandmaster Brad Whitlow and Guru Ron Goen, without them, I definitely wouldn't be the Billy Brown I am today. They okay. both, uh They both influenced me and revolutionized my thinking in a way that I needed it to become who I became. Okay. Um, Grandmaster Heel Cho. And you know, when I talk about Heel Cho, I don't mean it for the Taekwondo. I mean it for his work ethic, his discipline, his focus is, it's, it's unparalleled. It really is. I think that influenced me more than the board breaking and the, Great jump, spit, sidekicks and everything else—that is what influenced me. Yep. So, so yeah. So you have my instructors, Grandmaster, my main ones: Grandmaster Brad Willow, Grandmaster Ron or Guru Rangos, uh, Grandmaster Heel Cho, uh, definitely. Uh, Jeff Thompson, as far as the uh, combatives world, yeah. I mean, he uh, uh, he revolutionized that for all of us. I don't care who you. T- I don't care if you're talking about Lee Morrison. I don't care if you're talking about all of us, he paved that way. Because before those guys, we wouldn't have had uh, combat. We wouldn't have used the term combatants. Yeah, it would definitely. have just been karate or martial arts. Those, he he separated it for us before we knew they needed to be separated. So how many do I have there? Uh, one left. <laughs> one left. Uh, definitely uh, Sifu Paul Hunok. Okay. Uh, he 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 came to me you know in the time that I needed it to m- the most. He when I started working on doors is when I discovered Paul. Okay. And I needed his uh his mindset. Yeah. I that ability to flip the switch and become that that people do not like to see and then turn it back off and pick up your kid and leave. Yep. Yeah. That's what Paul did for me.
0: And uh. Those guys are probably my biggest, and there's many more. We could do ten, you know. So, but yeah, but, since you gave me those five so quickly, I'll I'll give you another five. Let's go to let's go to ten. Okay. Yeah. Um. After that, uh,
1: Grandmaster Scott McNeely. He uh, in yeah. Grandmaster Bright Willow, and Scott McNeely Came up together. They grew up best friends. Came from they came from the same instructor, who was also incidentally my instructor. Yeah. But I went with. Grandmaster Brad Whitlow, Grandmaster Scott McNeely went the other way, but Grandmaster Scott McNeely is probably the best technician that I've ever seen. And, Mm uh, uh, and again, he's got that work ethic, you know, surviving cancer. I mean, which I think at one point he was stage four and he just kicked its ass, you know, I mean, so he's really, he's in Texas. So I got to give a shout out definitely, uh, uh, to him. Um, and you know, Guru Dan Osano has got to be on top of the list. I mean, I should have named him first, but I, I wanted to give you people who I who I train with more. But Guru Dan is the epitome of uh, – him and Grandmaster Cho are like as far as the who's who yeah. legends. You know, I mean, if it wasn't for, for Guru Dan Osano, definitely you wouldn't have a Billy Brown. Yeah. He was the first one to, to show me that you, it's okay to cross-train. It's yep. okay to get, not just cross train in a way that's, that's just piece it together, but to really dedicate yourself to each and every art, yep. dedicate yourself to it. Yep. Guru, Guru Dan showed me the beauty of the art. When, when I first met him in 2001 or 2002, I, I was already had been on doors for five years. Uh, I, I already was a, uh, my school, my academy wasn't nothing like it is today. Students would come in, i put armor on them and beat them up. I mean, it was just, that was my mindset, you know? And I wonder why I can never keep students, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, Guru Dan showed me the beauty of martial arts more than anyone else probably. So he's got to be. So I think those, I know it's not 10, but I think those people are probably my biggest uh, influences for sure.
0: See when you say the the, the who's who, you uh let me get your opinion on this. We have a, I'm not going to describe this or go into this too much. We have a, a a martial arts hall of fame here in the UK, which, uh, which I've been invited to twice now. And twice I have politely refused. And I'll tell you why. Because even though I've been involved in martial arts for 33 or 34 years, I shouldn't be anywhere near a martial arts hall of fame. We are diluting stuff so much. If I look at a hall of fame, I'm looking at guys like Guru Dan Asanto. I'm looking like Uh, I'm looking at Hicks and Gracie. Uh, Not Kareem from Hamilton in Scotland, Forget that. I'm the same way. I'm like, look, and I've been asked a lot too.
1: First off, I always go, uh, you want me to pay for my table? Yes. And you're inviting me to come get an award? Uh no. But I always tell them I'm like, look, dude, check, check in on me in 20 years. Let me make a bigger ripple than what I've already have. Yeah. Check on me in 20 years. Yeah. You know, and I and I'm the same way. I'm the same way as you. People ask me all the time, as I'm getting older, they what you want to be remembered for. I want to be remembered as a hell of a good teacher yeah a hell of a good guide yeah. i don't care about all of the hundreds and hundreds of street fights that i won i don't care one i'm the one with injuries that's going to follow me forever but i won them you yeah. get what i'm saying um, yeah. i don't care about none of, none of that what i care about is if i helped even that one student which i hope is hundreds and thousands of students by yeah. the time i die that's what i care about
0: Okay, uh, sir, please give us all the different ways. I think the library you have is fantastic. I think anybody who's listening to the podcast, particularly I can be a little more influential on my own students. If you're you're one of my students watching or listening, get on to this stuff. So how can people access you on Instagram, YouTube, your website? Give us it all.
1: Well, the easiest way is to go to my website
0: because I have the links to everything there.
1: So I have two main websites. My first one is for the Academy here in Orlando, Florida. It's also to set up seminars. I I seminar, uh, well, before COVID, I I seminar all over the U.S. And coming up, it's going to be international. Um, We we got some stuff maybe in the works uh, next year, maybe in your area. So we'll keep uh, we'll keep keep you posted on that. Yeah. But, uh, the biggest way is www.empowerusa.net and, and you'll have and, and, that. yeah, and that's E M yeah, empowerusa.net. Okay. And as far as my online training videos, which I got to give, I never, st- I started that company for my students. Originally, I never thought that five, six years later, we would have sold thousands of copies around the globe, yeah. every continent, except for, uh. Antarctica. I don't think we've sold anything in Antarctica. I don't know <laughs> if they have computers there or what, but uh, but uh, we've been very blessed. and That company saved our our hides during yeah. COVID. So, but um, I'm very proud of it. Um, of, of that, I, I enjoy coming up with new video ideas. Right now, we're about to start filming another one, a stick and dagger video. Okay. Uh, uh, so, yeah, we have the Kono video series coming up in the future. We have the uh, 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 Striker's Game Changer, which is going to be heavily Taekwondo influenced, yeah. it's coming yeah. out in the future. So a lot of a lot of new projects. But I enjoy that being creative with that process. Yeah, because it's hard. People think I just put it out there. No, the, the, my Kali video, which is ten hours long, yeah. took us eight and a half months.
0: Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. And
1: all I got was ten hours of eight and a half months. Yeah. So, so it's a lot goes into it to the process. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. That's the the wife just said, if anybody has suggestions of what they would like to see, let me know. I mean, I'm always up for what the people want to see, but, uh, but progressive productions is www.proactionvideos.com. So those are the two main videos and you can find my social media on both of those.
0: Perfect. Perfect. What's your wife's name? Sorry again. Her name is Brittany. Brittany, why don't you pop on and give us a a, a hello? Pop your head in. <laughs> She's not. <laughs> hello. <How are> you? <laughs> she she
1: didn't have makeup on. She said, "I'm not gonna be in this one." I'm like, "Okay, well, we might
0: have to say hi." <laughs> yeah, well, that, that that's 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 great that she did. Uh, right, Guru Billy Brown, thank you. Awesome. Uh, this conversation went exactly the way I thought it would. I I I knew we would just sort of bounce ideas off each other, so I was really looking forward to it. Outstanding. Have uh, fun. I look forward to being on again. Listen, anytime we've okay. uh, yeah. had a number of people on a couple of times now, and yeah, uh, yeah you, you would definitely be on that list for sure. Okay, okay. sir. Thank you. Right, sir, thank you. Have a good one. We'll God talk soon. Take care. Bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, bye-bye.